What are you afraid of? Scared you go there and find out that he doesn't love you anymore, honey. You can't control that. The only thing you can control is how you feel. Not how you feel, but how you deal with what you feel that is real. You've got to relax, relate, and release into reality. What was that like, being in therapy? Uh, Were you, what did you talk about that you had never acknowledged to yourself or talked talk? I grew so much from the experience. But I think the most important thing I got is that everything is connected. I mean, if I have a problem, I usually just go to church, give me some Jesus, <laughs> and I'm cool. Welcome back to another episode of Black in Therapy, where we are discussing journeys, dismantling myths, and discovering our truths. It's Sarah Ashley here. I'm here with my dope co-host. Hey, y'all. Donna here. And we have a special guest with us today, Mackenzie. Jump on and say hey to the people. Hi, everybody. How are you? It's Mackenzie. So we know Mackenzie's going to tell her story in a little bit, but we want to jump into um, a check-in and figure out some current events and talk about those things. So, how y'all feeling? How you feeling, Donna? Um, I'm okay. You know, we okay, talked about not saying okay is a feeling. But I feel like, you know, I'm like so-so. Like, I'm good. I'm alright. I ain't, you know, I ain't bad. I ain't good. I'm in the middle. You know, neutral. <laughs> how you, how you, how you feeling though, Sarah? I'm feeling like, so I got some dope news today. I didn't even tell you yet. Mm-hmm. But I got some really dope news. So, I'm feeling like grateful. Like, I'm. I'm in a, like, a grateful state um, right now. Um, and even, like, I just got to spend time with my family. It's my uncle's um, 70th birthday. So, shout out to my Uncle Jesse. I feel like it's always back to back. It was my aunt's birthday last week. Yeah, it was my Uncle Jesse's birthday. So, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling also ready to work. And we'll jump into that in a little bit, Mackenzie, because I think me and you had that same fire yes. burning in us right now. <laughs> so, Mackenzie, how are you feeling? So, today I am feeling inspired. Um, just having the opportunity to be here and catch up and talk about all things mental health and what's going on in the world. So, I am feeling inspired today. Cool. Mm. So before we started the podcast, before I pressed record, we were talking about current events that, you know, were, you know, were on our hearts or that was bothering us. So Donna, anything this week that, you know, caught your attention, you know, we had some major losses, but you know, our ancestors now were like a little bit stronger, right? We got a little (laughs) bit more depth with our ancestors right now. So, you know, anything that that happened this week that, you know, you want to touch on? Um... Honestly, I kind of feel like I've been a little bit removed Mm -hmm. from kind of like the social media, what's going on in the world. I feel like after the inauguration, it was just kind of like a a little, a a little breather. Like, all right, like, you know, we had a rough 2020, um, 2021, we came in with the whole capital thing. So I kind of been off of the news other than obviously what we'll discuss, um, what I know, which I know has been on your mind, Mm -hmm. um, with the violence in Philadelphia. But outside of that, I kind of been a little bit removed. Okay. From 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 current events, I kind of just been kind of doing my own thing outside of what's going on in the world, just for a bit. Okay. Um. So but- what we know for sure is that we lost two icons. Um. Within the last two days, so we lost Cicely Tyson, who is a major, you know, actress icon. You know, I don't even know how else to describe her, but you know, she she left a major impact mm-hmm. on all of us, right? We yes. we all know a movie that she was in. Trump we can all. Razor. Trailblazer, like she broke a lot of um, glass ceilings mm-hmm. for a lot of people, um, 
And I'm grateful that in our lifetime, we could experience the art and the amazement and the blessing of Cicely Tyson. Like, so I'm, I'm glad about that. You want to add anything to, to her? Not just, you know, to be able to, it's funny because my friends and I used to laugh and joke about the fact that we've never seen a young looking picture. Yo, we said that too. She's been old since we were little, right? So you think she lived forever. She did. And like, to know that forever has finally, you know, come to, to come to pass and she's no longer with us, but to see like that transition of her films and to be able to relate to when she was in like the slavery-esque films up into Tyler Perry, so... You know, for her and even her John and, and like she was in How to Get Away with Murder. Right. She was in Scandals. Like she was right. in all these mm-hmm. like up to date mm-hmm. things. Right. right. I just saw um, her in what A Fall from Grace. That seemed like yeah. That. Yes, she was. Just, yes, that. yes. Right. Right. And just to you know, it reminds me kind of of the couple, and I can't think of the couple named Ozzy Davis and um, what's his wife's name? I can't think of Ozzy Davis' wife, and I, I feel bad not knowing her name right now. But like it was like kind of like that, like right. you know, you always think that these people are going to be around forever, mm-hmm. especially since and she she looked good, she was moving, yeah, like she was right. doing you her know? thing in her nineties, right? But I think what's good about it is that she got her flowers while she was here. Yes. She got the Kennedy, you know, honors. Ruby did. Ruby did. Yes, yes. So you thought Ivy, Ozzy Davis and Ruby did were going to like live forever, like because mm-hmm. we growing up, we saw them in everything, uh, and so when they passed, it's kind of like you know, mm-hmm. and then for her, it's just like. Right. You know, you, you kind of think to your point, like, we've never seen her young. Right. <laughs> so you kind of think she's going to be around forever. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. But it didn't but, really seem like a loss. It seemed like a celebration. Everything yeah. I saw was a big yeah. celebration. It was Because at the end of the day, like, you need your time to rest. Like, you can't right. be here forever. Exactly. And you need your time to rest. And one thing I did, I watched two videos of her, and I posted both of them. One thing she said, her last her last um interview, uh, Gail King asked her, you know, what do you want people to say when it's all over? She said that I tried my best. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. sis, you tried. And you not and only tried, you did your best. Yeah. Like, you did beyond, you know, your best. And then the video I posted today, and it's kind of like, you know, I'm reminded of Brittany when we had that conversation. But it was like, she said she was sitting at the desk one day, and she realized that her typewriter, like, I was not created <laughs> to sit at a typewriter. Right. You know what I mean? And so when we had those aha right. moments or those light bulb moments, like, I'm glad that she had the faith to mm-hmm. pursue what she right. really wanted to and right. not just be like, well... Everybody else said it, this 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 typewriter. Right. So I'm at this at this typewriter. You know what I mean? So I am mm-hmm. grateful for her pursuing her passion because right. it kind of gives me the fuel to be like, all right, right. you want to write tricks, sis? Mm-hmm. And we say you know? this all the time. You right. just quit your job, so I did just you, quit my job. That wasn't something because it can't. I can't be. A, I can't be this for the rest of my life. Listen, we we always be like, <laughs> I can't be nowhere for like I still I still work a regular job, but right. like, I can't be somewhere for for eight hours a day. We right. always had those Same. discussions, so right. it's like. She was definitely an inspiration, definitely a celebration of her. I just love watching all of those things that right. everybody was posting. Right. And then we have John Chaney, who passed away today. And we know that John Chaney was the iconic um, coach at Temple, um, won several championships, and did a whole bunch trailblaze in his own right as a black um, coach within the NCAA. And we know Temple had a run when he was um, the coach. And so we honor John Chaney. I, I hope that they drape some black cloths around the Leo Court Center because he was just that dope of a person. And somebody posted today, I think it was um, Councilwoman Cheryl Parker posted today, like, he was a lot of people's fathers yes. in Philly. Mm-hmm. And I can remember when my cousin was even recruited, John Chaney coming to my aunt's house and sitting on the couch and wow. having that conversation with my aunt and my cousin about, you know, what future looks like in basketball. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we stopped for a minute and paused and honored John Chaney's legacy um, in Philly and Temple and, and what he did 
to break barriers for other African-American coaches or other black coaches that are coming behind him, who have come behind him and who are still mm-hmm. um, going to come behind him. So, And I feel like one other, oh, Kevin Parker, Miss Stutzis. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago. That was last week. Last week. Was it last week? It seemed like it was a couple of weeks ago. It was not in between the podcasts, though. I feel like... Mm -mm. It was before we recorded the last week. I think his service might have been this week. Two days ago, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Kevin Parker, who was just a trailblazer in Philly, like... Black restauranteer, like, you know, we don't do those. Like, it's not too... I mean, it's more now, but, like, when he did it, you had a spot on South Street, like, you know, so starting at 3801 and and doing his catering there... Mm -hmm. And then expanding in Red Terminal, terminal, having your spot around Terminal now and and expanding the South Street. Like, it's just, you know, anytime, you know, you mention the Drake song, (laughs) second floor, (laughs) the shoulder up. So, you know, we honor Kevin Parker's legacy and everything that he did for um, those people. A lot of people said that he was a mentor and that he gave a lot that we didn't know about. And to me, that's the best kind of person, because when you don't know what a person is doing, that's the best kind of giving, I feel like. Mm-hmm. When you know that he's gave a lot and nobody really knew it, how much he gave to people. So, shout out to Kevin Parker. And, you know, we pray that his legacy continues through Miss Tootsie's and through the restaurant at uh, Red and Terminal. So, three people that we kind of... Yeah. Not even lost because, we, you know, their legacy lives on. They're just right. with their ancestors now. Mm-hmm. Cheering us on. Like, great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. Right. Right, and also we we dealt with Kobe's one year anniversary. One year anniversary of Kobe, yes. Which was a shock to me, and I had mentioned to you like I didn't see I didn't see a lot of Kobe on my timeline. I thought it was going to be like a sad day in social media world, and it was really a celebration. And I was very 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 surprised because I thought it was going to be like a stay away. It was going to be too sad because when he passed away, it was just like the saddest day. Mm-hmm. Ever. I think it was super heartbreaking. So, like, it I was. feel like for me, for this year, I didn't want to be sad. Like, right. mm-hmm. like, I remember Summer came in the kitchen. She's like, yo, y'all heard about Kobe? And I'm like, what? She's like, he died. And I'm like, what? Like, my heart literally sank to my feet. Like, right. you ever had that feeling? Yes. So, Kobe was, like, our... He was... I feel like he was the first person that we really related to in terms of, like, celebrity. Mm-hmm. Because he... You know, he's not that much older than us. He grew up in the same area. So, we kind of were able to remember the progression mm-hmm. of his career so for this you know this one really hit home for people this was like those basketball players this was the star that they looked mm-hmm. up to and you know for that person for him to die and so unexpectedly and so early you know it definitely hit hard for a lot of people. especially with his daughter and then to have all the other families on mm-hmm. the helicopter with him it's like it was sad but for me for this year I didn't want to be sad and I was glad that Vanessa kind of set the to tone Mm -hmm. she was like you know we don't want to mourn right you know we don't want to mourn and she posted the letter that the that gianna's best friend wrote yeah Yeah. and that kind of set the tone like we're not gonna be sad like let's celebrate their life right this is what his wife is saying and and she went to like the snow tube in place where kobe will often take the kids Mm -hmm. and she went there and like celebrated his life and i think that's more important and even in in anything like when my grandparents like when it comes to their death anniversary or their birthdays i always try to do something fun right or something that you know will remember them and it keeps me from being sad right. so what are your thoughts yeah, on that so definitely am a fan of starting like new traditions mm-hmm. um you know we all know grief and loss is a process it has its ups and downs but you know changing the narrative around the event so it's easy to say this you know this happened i'm sad but you know to be able to change how you think about it and do something different so it has a different kind of feeling so that you're not down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that was a great example for her to be able to, you know what, 
this day is going to come. It's going mm-hmm. to be the same every day year. every year. So we're going to either, you know, be sad and mourn or we're going to, you know, change mm-hmm. how we feel about it. And I think she posted one thing about grief like the week before. And like grief is crazy. Like yes. some days I don't want to live. Uh-huh. And I think that's the truth. Like some days grief can be so heavy that you don't want to be here. But then what do I have to live for? Right. Right. And I think that's always a way to reframe it. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to be here, but why should I be here? Right. And even to make those new traditions, like you said, like if her and Kobe always went here, now I'm going here with my daughters. Now I'm going here with Paul Casal and his wife and right. his family. So now we're making new traditions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree. I feel like, for me, I think grief is just a little bit different for me personally, just because I haven't um, dealt with grief in in the sense that I feel like everyone else has, or at least, you know, in the sense of, you know, Vanessa, we can't fathom. Right, right, right. So for me, I I always think, like, I can't imagine. I always feel like I can't even imagine. Um, But it's good to see someone who is, you know, just just changing it for people because we talk about it and we deal with it as counselors, right? We know, we know the process, we know what people are going to do. But to see someone like Kobe Bryant's wife say, "This is how you know people can deal with grief. We don't have to do this." I think that speaks to people because everyone is not going to listen to a therapist. They're not going to listen to you and I. They're not going to listen to you know people who study and know grief. But they're going to listen to you know Kobe Bryant's mm-hmm. wife. They're going right. to listen to Vanessa uh, Bryant. So I think that it's so good when people of um, that has so much influence. Say, says those things because, again, our mission is to, like, you know, get to people normalize and, and, and normalize these yeah. things. So I always like when it's people who, and I think it's so many people, like Taraji P. Henson, like so many people are normalizing and talking about it. And I just love to see people on that platform talking about it, especially when, you know, Vanessa is going through it. So I just love that because I think mm-hmm. that people respected that and people, you know, may see grief as di- differently because of her, right? you know, because... They, they might not be listening to, you know, little old you and I, but they're going to listen to her. So. Well, I told Dr. Heath to stop saying little before anything. We're not speaking little or nothing. We okay, don't. well. Big old. Big old. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much power in words. Words. And I was trying to explain it to like, stop saying it. Like, don't speak that into the atmosphere. But that's a whole nother <laughs> show for another day. Well, we just have a, less, a little bit less influence than Vanessa Bryant. But, you know, we get in here because, you know, we're going to have a million listeners and all that and all that. Listen. Enlarge our territory. Absolutely. All right, but there was one last thing, Mackenzie, that oh, burnt yes. me to smithereens this week. Like, you talking about hot as fish grease? I was hot. Are you still hot? How I'm, you feeling I'm, right I'm now? Because you was hot. hot when it happened. It's How like, you feeling right I'm, now? You know, and I pray that I don't wake up angry every morning and like go to bed angry. But, like, yo, I'm angry. Like, I yeah. am. They have lit a fire in me. And I even today, I had to stop and be like, God, why am I so mad? Like, what? why did you light this fire under me? Like, it's got to be something that you want me to do because I am pissed. Um, so let's just tell the story. A few, maybe week and a half, two weeks, three weeks ago, maybe at this point. Uh, was it that long? Two weeks ago? Maybe. Two weeks about. ago. A nine-year-old was accidentally shot and she died because of her injuries. The The kids were home alone, Right. The kids were home alone. Um, there was a fight. There were several firearms in the home that the kids had access to. The kids were not supervised. I'm just going to say that one more time. They were 12, 9, and 5. They were not supervised. They charged, after the death of the 9-year-old, the, the they charged the father with a slew of charges. And re- reckless endangerment, a bunch of charges that, you know... He deserved. He deserved. You're, you're, you're the father. These are your guns. These were your children. I'm sorry. They were not um, supervised. 
Now, this week, uh, I believe two days ago, it broke on 6ABC that the child, the 12-year-old child, would now be charged with involuntary manslaughter and reckless endangerment of another person. When I tell y'all, like, if it could be an illustration of my heart and a flame under it, like, that's how I feel right now. And I was very mad and I felt like nobody was paying attention to the story. And I had a conversation with one of my big sisters and they said, well, instead of you taking that narrative, why don't you just say in case you missed it? Because you are very informative. You watch the news. You are very in tune to, to current events. Other people aren't. So just say in case you missed it. Don't start. Because I'm like, oh, all your fake Martin Luther King, we shall overcome civil rights leaders in quotation marks. Don't have nothing to say about this. Um, so that was my take on it. So I've posted several times already on social media. I have been arguing with people literally night and day. Somebody called me a social media activist. And I, and I went four Christmases on them. And I told them to Google me. I, I I don't just do this on social media. Like, this is my lifestyle. Um, but I can't understand for the life of me why they would charge this boy with, this this victim with mm-hmm. what they charged yes. him with. And he did not actually and, hold on. shoot the gun. He did. Well, we don't know. So let's just say, just take so away that what we know. We don't know if he shot the gun or if the five-year-old shot the gun. I thought that's what the story was. That's what the story said. But let's say that he went in the room and said something differently. Just okay. say it, just say it. But there is already an open DHS case on this family. It was already. Already, prior to this incident happening, mm-hmm. they already had a DHS case open. Mm. Which means to me that safety was already a problem or a concern for the Department of Human Services to have an open investigation or open case on this family, a case mm-hmm. load on this family. So you're telling me that a child who's already saying that they're a victim of some kind of neglect or abuse because they wouldn't have opened the case... If it had not been, now is being charged with what he's being charged with. Help me to understand. What's your thoughts? <laughs> oh, you know, again, the news will only we only get bits and pieces. We don't know the whole story. In short of him going in and saying like he intentionally shot her, I just can't wrap my head around him being held accountable to that level. I work in juvenile detention settings. I work in adult with adult offenders. This is such a pivotal age. And when you introduce people to the criminal justice system at this point, you are setting them up for a long time involvement in a system. Once you get involved, it is so hard to get out, especially for minorities, especially for minority men. So now to then potentially put this label on this kid, there are so many like long-term issues that come with that. The fact that he is whatever abuse, whatever was going on in the house before, now you have the fact that, you know, he's dealing with the fact that his sister is now deceased, possibly because of something he may or may not have done intentionally, unintentionally, whatever, like the whole family is going to need support and the last thing like then now to add this everything that comes along with the criminal justice system on top of that i i i uh, if you would have been a fly on the wall and and literally i had four conversations today and what i literally what you just said is what i've been saying to people all day long he is not a criminal he's a victim and 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 
even if he held the gun and shot the gun at 12, this right. part of your brain right here, frontal lobe, this pre, you know, frontal cortex and all those things is not fully developed. Right. So you have no idea how to reason. Right. At 12. So even at 12, if I took a gun and shot you, Donna, I cannot fathom long term. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in, in high school, we had um, in geometry, we did if or then statements. Mm-hmm. 12 year olds can't handle an if and then statement. Right. If I do this, then this will mm-hmm. happen. There is no way a 12 year old can can put two and two together like that. They know they may know right from wrong. But if all I see in my environment is violence right. and guns and this is what my dad does and this is what Uncle Mark right. and them do when my they come over here rapper, and my favorite rappers talk TV about this. Star. And when I'm playing my video game and I'm talking like cap this nigga and da 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 then come on. Like we gotta do better as a people to support and advocate. Right. Right? And so what you're saying now is that and my thing is this one of the reasons that I heard that you know he would um be charged is because they can straight line him into services. Now we're all we all work in the criminal justice, social service, social work case manager if i go to house right now mckenzie and i say this child is not safe in this home i'm going to put a call into dhs within an hour dhs the police and we're removing this child from this home within 48 hours we're in front of a judge and that judge that we're in front of can stipulate anything that he wants to stipulate for this child so if y'all took him you don't have to criminalize this baby to get services there are treatment facilities and fa- not even facilities. I don't even want to be in a facility because to your point, when you put a child at this age mm-hmm. who is not exposed to the criminal justice system in a jail, in a group home facility, in a residential, they're going to conform to whatever they see because they don't want to be ate alive. Right. Because there are real criminals out here and real, mm-hmm. real kids that really get into this. That's not him. I, I was saying the saying that's not him. I don't know what they're going to say at the press conference on Monday, but I can almost guarantee that this child is not a monster. Right? And so now he, but he's going to have to conform. If y'all put him in JJSC, can y'all imagine? To your point, he's going to live a life now that is deemed prison worthy because he has to fit in. Right. And, and that's, my, my problem with the whole thing was I feel like we didn't have enough information. They're not I being transparent. Like they're not being transparent. And I also feel like, and maybe Mackenzie, maybe you would know more, like, because cause they think that this is going to this these criminal charges are going to streamline him into getting the mental health services or, or whatever. But the judge can tell needs. him what he needs. But my thought is, and again, maybe I'm just kind of so re- removed from the criminal justice and more into the counseling setting. Like, where does the cops and the police and the district attorney, where do they work hand in hand with these people who are doing evaluations, these psychotherapists? Like, like where 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 does that come into play? Because I'm just wondering how they thought that you like the criminal justice system only works in the like they their only criminal justice system is not mental health i feel like they're not like they're not equipped like we, we know we already know from the whole incident that happened this this summer or you know a few months ago with the police shooting a mentally ill um Wallace. Uh-huh. right in philadelphia um, when again, he has so, such a history with mental health, mental health issues and, and the cops, we already know from that issue that Philadelphia police officers aren't equipped or aren't, um, trained in order to, to deal with certain things. Right. So my just thought is that like, how equipped is the investigators? How equipped is the district? Like how, what, what type of training y'all doing? Like, I just need to know. That was my I question. Like, right. Did what? y'all sit at a round table? Like, did y'all bring in Kimberly Ali, who is the freaking commissioner of DHS? Like, right. did y'all bring in social workers? Did y'all bring in anybody 
Did y'all bring right. in a McKenzie? Right. They can sit there and tell y'all, nah, this ain't the way to go. Right. Like, like, tell us. Or did y'all just criminalize this black boy and y'all made the decision on because your own? Because that's, what, the, that's right. what they do. That's what, that's what the criminal justice system does. And again, I, I love criminal justice. I love counseling. I feel like, but where it intertwines, it's just, it's just not good enough. I just feel like it's not good enough for me. It's not, you know, I know you want more answers. It's just not good enough for us. And I feel like, you know, Obviously, we have Mackenzie here today. I can't wait till she tells her story because <laughs> she is, um, she is the criminal justice. In my mind, you criminal justice and therapy to me. <laughs> like you know how we met. So I'm like, oh, like I really think of her as kind of like the the one that knows. Like, come on, Mackenzie, let's let's get in here. Tell tell us what you think about certain things because you you know you've worked and you've experienced a lot of those things. But I just feel like we don't have enough information. I just feel like it's not being, it's just swept under the rug. Like, oh, we're going to charge him. All right, cool. Like, let's just move on. And, and it's just frustrating. It's so frustrating because I just feel like I need the criminal justice system and the mental health system to be one in the same. Why? Because what did we learn from 2020? That everybody going through something. Yes. Everybody. Yes, everybody. Everybody's going through something. Everybody diagnosed or not. We all have our own challenges, our own struggles. These kids are at home all day. They're not being supervised. Parents have to work. It's so many struggles. Kids are and, truant. And we talked about this. so you know much. The, and, and her death is another, we can talk it up to COVID. We can chalk her death up to COVID because it was, would have been, been in school. school. So we can chalk her death. And the parents probably, they can't, and, and let's just keep it a bean. Like, you can't work and watch a kid. In reality. Like, and and afford, or for child care. We all have been 5, 9, and 12. Like, we all know at that age the difference between right and wrong. However, at those ages, we did stupid stuff. Like, mm-hmm. we did mm-hmm. stuff and not thinking. So... Because we didn't have the ability to. <laughs> right. We've all been there. We've been kids. We've made irresponsible decisions. So, like, are we going to stamp this person a criminal for the rest of their lives for something that they did not thinking? Because who thinks about consequences at 12? Like, Nobody. I see Nobody. a gun because, okay, I see them all the time in music and TV and, mm-hmm. you know, the people that are around me. I pick it up. Oh, look at this. Like, they don't think that it could possibly be loaded. They don't think about anything else that comes along with it. And now to say, I'm going to give you these potential consequences. Because I got to teach you a lesson or I have to teach, I have to show. Somebody said, well, he got to know that consequences come with actions. Absolutely. That's not the way you teach it, though. But that, those, (sighs) yes, but but there's a difference between right and wrong. Yes, you have to be held accountable but I don't necessarily think this is what they're trying to achieve with this is the route that's that not, you take. Yeah. And I also feel like we don't know what that little boy wake up with every night. Right. Like the gun. And I think that we don't understand. We think gun, right? We probably think about what we see on freaking the TV. Mm-hmm. This gun was an illegal handgun. It right. was not something that we typically carry on our waistbands. Like this had an extended clip. This was a gun for the streets. The gun was, and y'all can't see it out there, but the gun was, they said the bullet was this big. Like, her, mm-hmm. like, so even if he thought, he, he, you're not going to tell me that he had an idea what this gun could do. Right. You're not going to tell me that. Because I wouldn't know at 34 <laughs> the power of something that I'm not familiar with. Because he may have seen it, but I'm sure that nobody took him to the gun range. Right. Because that's not mm-hmm. what black parents do. Yes. Like, that's what these white parents, <laughs> these little boys made the gun range at four and five. Yeah, but so, we're not taking our kids. We're not teaching mm-hmm. gun safety. We're not teaching protect your family. We're not teaching none of that. Mm-hmm. So there, 
while we're talking about it, there is a black-owned gun shop in mm-hmm. Chester called Surplus Arme. Okay. Um, I believe the two guys that own it are former and current Chester City Police, and they do, you know, basic pistol courses. They have children, you know, oh, they wow. have classes for children. Um, to you know, to that point. We all know what's going on in the media. We know what's going on out in the world. Like, people mm-hmm. are buying firearms. They And we should be. And, right. And we that's our right. We have the right to protect ourselves. But you also have to be responsible. So, they, you know, I've seen their videos on Instagram where they have their, you know, 13, 14-year-old children showing them the proper way to use mm-hmm. firearms and educating them. Just because you see it, you know, I don't want you to be afraid, but I also need you to understand, right. you know, the seriousness. And, you know, if, God forbid, you're in a, a position that you have to protect yourself, I'm going to show you the right way. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, and I agree with that 100%. And I believe in educating about firearms and all that. My friend, um, Ivy, put it up on my status today. He said, I take my son to the gun range. Mm-hmm. And his, he got babies. But I respect him. Because right. I respect the fact that you want to teach your kids safety. And gun safety, and I even talked to one of my mentors today, and she was like, "My, you know, her 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 boyfriend, or I don't know what they call him when they get older, but you know, her friend <laughs> said I, she takes he takes her nephew, his nephews to the gun range, mm-hmm. and like even with Zion, like Zion is old enough now to go to the gun range. Like all of them have their gun license. Mm-hmm. All of, all of my brothers and my brother in law, they have their gun license. So yeah, take him now and educate him. Like, and that's right. important." And I'm not saying guns are like have your gun in your house because this is crazy out here. Right. But be safe. But if be safe. Right. Protect if you're your going own. To do it, right. Be, you know, one, be on the upside. Do it legitimately. And if you're not, then be ready to face with the consequences right. because y'all and I and and even in their safety plan and their goals, I know that the, one of the goals with that was that these kids be supervised at all times. You're not going to mm-hmm. tell me that because I was a social worker only for a year, but I don't care. <laughs> I had cases, and and every goal was that the kids be supervised. At all times. Right. Not gonna tell me that wasn't in your goal. In mm-hmm. COVID. During COVID too. And during COVID. I don't care what you gotta do. These kids should be supervised at all times. So we're gonna keep fighting. I'm doing a citywide gun lock distribution day. We wanna make sure that people got gun locks. Even if they don't lock them up, they're not gonna say that they ain't have them. Right. Um, and we either gonna put money behind this little boy's lawyer or we gonna advocate that these charges should be dropped. And I'm willing to stand outside the DA's, DA's office with a sign and and be cold or whatever I have to right. do. But he needs to know that, you know, there are people that definitely don't agree with his decision to. Um, and I get the law and I get when people right. present evidence. And we're that's that's BS. Right. When Especially they wanna, when they don't show up. When they want to when they want to file charges, they do. Right. And when they don't, they don't. So spare me. Miss me with that. Rationalization. Right. Like what, Give how, us what the information. Right. And that's coming on Monday. So they're having a press conference on Monday, and I'm still prepared to post that crap. I don't want to curse on this episode. I'm still prepared to post, you know, when I got to post on Monday, even after the press conference, because y'all should have never traumatized him, period. Whether y'all get on there on Monday and say y'all dropped the charges or not, or why y'all did it, I'm still going to have something to say. Mm-hmm. Does a 12-year-old boy, does he say, like, hey, I got charged with, like, I just wonder. Like, where's like... he at right now? Like, I just want to go give him a hug anyway. Like, baby, it's going to be all right. Because, <laughs> like, who's protecting you at this point? Right. Somebody commented on my post on Facebook, like, what do you want to happen? And it took everything in me not to go all the way off. But I just, like, bit by bit told him what I want to happen. I want him to be protected. I want him to grow up in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want him to flourish and be a productive citizen, an independent citizen right. when he gets older. And not be a part of this criminal justice system. And not system be a part of the system. Is not made for us. 
Because you know, once you're in it, it's going to be damn so sure hard for you to get out of it. And people are going to make it hard for you afterwards. Like, y'all set him up for failure. So, again, black women are always going to stand up because I don't see no black men talking about this. But we always going to be the saviors. So always. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> but let's jump into our first segment. We not talk for a whole half an hour already. <laughs> our first segment is I Got a Story to Tell. And I know Mackenzie has a story for us. So let's jump into it. I got a story to tell. Yes, so my story today is just kind of how I got to where I am today, how I got into the mental health field, um, you know, how this, where it started, how, where I'm at now. So, I, my interest in mental health started in high school. Um, I had to do a science fair project. I was part of Temple. They had a math science upper band program, a college enrichment program. And part of the program, we had to participate in a science fair. And I was not, I didn't want to do a project. Like, I didn't want to do an experiment. <laughs> I wasn't interested in any of that. So, I did a project on the Stroop effect, which, long story short, is about uh, neurocognition, how your brain processes information. And that's how I kind of got interested in mental health. And in reality, I wanted to be be Dr. Long from Law & Order SVU. Yeah, Me too. We were just talking about Dr. Long. I love him. And I, you know, that is what I wanted to do. I wanted to interview criminals. I wanted to be a part of that whole process. I thought... His job was so cool. Um, so I ended up going to Penn State, main campus, um, and I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in psychology and criminal justice. And I remember taking a course in undergrad, I want to say it was like my sophomore, junior year, about rehabilitation and corrections. And it just kind of talked about the criminal justice system, how people end up in there, and the things that we do to rehabilitate them and prepare them for reintegration back into the community. And part of that course, we took a field trip to Rockview, which is one of the state correctional facilities in Central PA. And I was amazed. I was sold. I was like, I'm in there. Um, so I ended up doing an internship in my senior year at a nonprofit that was out in state college. That It's called Centerpiece. And it provides um, community service for people that are incarcerated, um, gives them like life skills, things like that. And then the summer before my senior year, I did an internship with the Philadelphia Corrections, uh, Philadelphia Prison System under Dr. Carlton Payne. And I loved it. (laughs) Um, You know, so what he did was have me shadow with different mental health providers and social workers and all of the what is it, four or five facilities in one state road. But what I appreciated about that experience was he literally let me go. He said, this is your assignment. You're going to go to this institution. You're going to go to this place, ask for this person. And this is what you're going to do. And I was like, oh, so you want me to go by myself? (laughs) So, and, you know, I'm all of five feet tall. So I remember being in, I think I was in Pick. And they're like, all right, we finished this meeting. We're going to get you out before movement starts. I didn't make it out before movement starts. So I'm walking in the hallway, and there are these grown men in jumpsuits and prison-issued uniforms. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, this is like I'm really in prison right now. Um, But just the experience that I got from that was 
something that I will never forget. Um, so if you work in mental health, you already know that you have to get a master's degree. Like that, it you, it is what it is. Like you're not. You're going to be what you're going to be unless you get a master's degree. At the very least. Um, so when I graduated from undergrad, I went into drug and alcohol case management with a nonprofit um, in the Northeast. So doing um, connection with resources, home visits, uh, a little bit of everything that case managers do. And then I went into a nonprofit that was contracted to work in the prison. So I worked for a nonprofit, but I was um, assigned to RCF. So I was working with the women prisoners who um, were doing a special drug and alcohol program. And I enjoyed it, but I didn't necessarily like the working with the nonprofit. Like if I'm a being here, I read the work directly with the system and, you know, take that middleman out. And that eventually led me to probation um, where I worked in domestic violence unit, which again was a whole <laughs> experience. Like I said, I'm five feet, young black girl. I might have been, I don't know, 24 ish at the time. So I'm working domestic violence with grown men who are here because they obviously have issues with, you know, relationships, most of the time, women. And, you know, just to be able to navigate that system and, you know, setting boundaries, earning res- earning respect, not again, not just with the people that were supervising, but with your peers, because I'm this, you know, young girl just coming in all bright eyed and bushy tailed and, you know, I'm going to come in and change the world. Um, but that helped me to develop a skill set that I use to this day because it, you know, trying to get a grown man to listen to you and, you know, not just listen to you, but to be able to actually take what you're saying and integrate it in your life and integrate it in their life. And to have somebody say that, you know what, this doesn't have to be your life. Like I'm going to help you get through this, but I'm going to also hold you accountable. Um, which again, a lot of times they ended up where they were because there's this, you know, lack of accountability. But, and that's actually where I met Donna, where she was an intern. Yes, yes. <laughs> let me interject for a second because let me tell y'all. So I interned at um, Philadelphia Probation and Parole when I was a senior. I actually quit my job, like my benefit paying job when... I was like, I got to do an internship. Like, I need to get into my field. Like, listen, I don't mm-hmm. want to work at the Franklin Institute forever. I worked there, and I interned under... Um, Linda Moreski. Mar- I and did. Court. I did, and Dawn's Court. And my case load was female sex offenders, mm-hmm. which was crazy to me. I'm like, female sex offenders? You mean not know? Um, but you know how, you know, this is black in therapy. So, you know, when you see a black person, I'm like, oh, black girl, hey. Like, I felt like I was always looking for Mackenzie and she was never there. Like, she was never, like, she was working, y'all. Because I ain't never seen Mackenzie. I seen Mackenzie a couple of times, a handful of times, I swear. But even still, I was looking like, you know, I'm looking like, hey, like, you know, hey, like, tell me some stuff. Like, you know, help a sister out. But um, that's where me and Mackenzie first mm-hmm. met. That was, mm, 
I want to say that was, I was a senior. I feel like that was 2012. 12, 13. That was 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Yep, because um, that's when I was a senior um, in college as a criminal justice major. So that's when me and Mackenzie first met. And I'm like, and I got her contact information. And it's crazy because me and Mackenzie reconnected last year, 2020, right? <laughs> crazy. In the middle of COVID. Because of, again, I was working at the Franklin Institute. I quit the Franklin Institute to do my internship. When I reconnected with Mackenzie, I ran into a co-worker from the Franklin Institute, Dominique, Mm -hmm. and she was with Mackenzie. And I'm like, I know her. She's like, oh, take my number. Why I still have her number in my phone? (laughs) And she still was in my phone and And I was an intern. And I was still in Mackenzie's phone. So when we talk about God, when we talk about, you know, we always talk about, like, things. And then we ran into each other, like, the next week. The next week. week. Oh, so Franklin's wasn't. Right. And then a week later, a week later. You know, me and Sarah at Franklin's doing what we do, having, you know, having our little COVID special. Look, I was about to say a little COVID special at Franklin's. We walk up and we see Mackenzie. Oh, and Mackenzie is talking to your friend. Yeah, it was Mm -hmm. the priest, right? Right, was talking to the priest. So I'm just like, you know what, Mackenzie? We sis for life at this point, right? Because it had been what tw- from twelve to two thousand twenty, yeah, right? And, and you know, social media is a big thing, but we weren't friends on social media. Like I had her number in my phone, but you know, we weren't like we hadn't contacted each other or talked in that in that long period of time. But then we reconnected, and then next time I saw her, we was with Sarah literally right. a week later. Like yeah. I just saw you last week, Mackenzie. I ain't see you in all these years. Right. Then I see you back to back. So. And we had fun tonight too. I think we did. We did. You know, we did. You know, black people always get familiar with each other. Like Listen. we sat at the table. Like right. who told us to sit at the table? Right. Like that whole night because I just went by myself. Like I just want something to eat, get a drink. <laughs> Dupree walks up and like, oh hey, I know her. Can I sit here? Sure. I'm meeting my friend. Okay. <laughs> friends show up. I'm like, oh, I know you. Right. <laughs> and then it was a, it was a whole yeah. a whole thing. And it's just crazy how like the universe works and right, reconnect. Right. Then for us to sit down and you know just talk about what we're doing. And it's about, like, mm-hmm. oh wait, so you in the mental health field? You're a counselor. You right. you know y'all just graduated. Oh, guess right. what? That's what I do too. Right. And I'm thinking you still you know criminal justice based. I had no idea that you had transitioned yeah, into I, doing therapy right. and counseling and stuff like that. I'm thinking like. Oh, how's probation? You like, nah, nah. <laughs> so tell us about the rest of your story so, after probation. So when I left probation, um, so while I was at probation, I was working on my master's. I got my master's in professional clinical counseling from LaSalle, which there is a story for a whole But wait, day. I went to LaSalle too. I'm an explorer. But you can tell us later. <laughs> That's a story. Grass was always day. another story, right? Yes. Um, I ended up getting my degree, my master's in January of 2015. Um, and then I left that summer, I left AP, uh, probation to go to, that, or funny, the original nonprofit that I was working at my first job after undergrad, I ended up going back um, for my first counseling job, because Cora Services is amazing, like, the they welcomed me back with open arms, and I'm so glad and, you know, grateful for them to not only be the first job that I had after undergrad, but to be the first job I had after grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there for about a year, and there's a job that I wanted that was literally everything that I wanted, uh, working with the criminal justice system, doing mental health counseling. So that was what I was striving to when I got my master's. Um, so I graduated. I applied for the position. Didn't get it the first time. About a year later, I was interviewed and offered the position. So I've been working as a mental health provider with um, individuals who are incarcerated for going on 
five years. Now, is that um, with core services? No. So okay. I work, I'm not with a nonprofit anymore, um, but I do work for an agency that, and I provide services with individuals who are incarcerated. And I've been doing that since 2016. So that's where I'm at. You know, my, you know, my thoughts were there are a lot of services for, um, What's the word? When you first get started, like prevent preventative services. Mm-hmm. There's agencies that do all of that, that try and catch people before they get into the system and, you know, provide services to help them not become fully involved in the system. Then you have people on the reintegration side. So like the probations, the programs that help you when you get out. So I always wondered, like, what are they doing for people while they're in? Because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, most of the people that are incarcerated are coming home at some point. I, if they're going to be my neighbor, I want to know that, you know, what was being done during that time that they were away to help them become better citizens or whatever, however you want to say it. Um, so that's why, you know, that's where my interest it was with working actually in facilities and in, you know, institutions. Um, so from there, I, so and as part of my job, I became an adjunct professor, well, not professor, okay. but an adjunct what? instructor okay. for yes. our um, crisis intervention team um, training. And it's a statewide training that all employees go through um, just to help you deal with how to uh, de-escalate um, crises. But one of the big components about it is working like your own mental health and your own self-care and safety for the people that are working with some of the most dangerous people in the state um and that's when it kind of clicked that what are we like what are we as providers doing to take care of ourselves we are dealing with difficult situations we are dealing with you know everybody else's stress how are we taking care of ourselves and that is what led me to start the Heart to Heal Inc., which is a nonprofit that I developed to provide support to mental health providers. Um, it was established on May twenty second, twenty twenty, and we're—I'm not gonna lie—I had this idea. That'll probably be my truth. <laughs> I had this idea. I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't really know how, what it looked like. And the benefit of the stimulus check, I got extra money. So I was like, I'm going to use this to start this nonprofit. And, you know, honestly, I'm a little figure it out as I go along. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's where I'm at now. It's just how best that I can support the people that are providing the services. Because if we check out, then everybody else kind of in trouble. So we got to make sure that we are okay. Thanks. Uh, yes, that thanks. is me, and that is what the I fact am. that she even thought about using that money to do something is like right. Listen, because it was but, about to go to a whole bunch of nothing. Nothing is so. <laughs> right. You probably you was probably like, well, I know I need help as a counselor, so let me help. Right, right. and Listen. seriously, like, but I think about the people that don't have like us. Mm-hmm. Like, we can tap in with each other. Right. Like, there are people that legit don't have that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, what do they do? School experience. Were you in a cohort? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. but what happened was it was internship. I'm working full-time. I was working a part-time job. I was in school taking two classes, and internship came, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Met with the internship coordinator, and she was like, well, just quit your job and take out loans. Ma'am, I have a car. I have an apartment. I have bills. Like, 
I can't, that's not an option for you me. You should have told me this at the beginning of the program. That, that's what <laughs> right, you wanted like, me to do. Right? Because they they said that that was an option for like, well, you might have to just quit your, like, that's instead not, that's of so like, gingerly, like, like, what you mean? Quit my job and take it alone, right? Like, so, you know, I'm sitting in class next to people who are married, have children. They are still living at home. They right. have, you know, second incomes. So that's cool. If that's what you could do, great. That's not, I can't do that. So I literally cried like every day for three months looking for an internship because I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And luckily I was able to find an internship downtown that offered evening and weekend hours. So it worked out, but it just literally, it was. How stressed were you? It made me hate being in school. It made me hate my program. It sent me to therapy. Like... It was I think a internships rough, might do a T period. Rough, yeah. Rough. I remember like when we first when rough I first started my internship, I was like hyped and then midway, I'm like, man, I don't like this no like, more. No, these schools, you know, they promote it was like themselves long for hours. working. It like, was they, long hours. They promote it as like an adult learning program, but Once they're adult the learners who don't have right. jobs and other responsibilities. Right. And, and the amount of hours that you have to do as an intern. Yeah, and like, I get it because they didn't tell us enough time, I feel like. Like I feel like we should have started our internship. Second semester, really, like right. because y'all want us right. to do all these hours. Like, I was literally at my internship to like almost ten o'clock every night, and right. be like, and I'm like, right, right, like, yeah. call me when you get into your car. Like, you gotta go walk outside right. and go to a car. Yeah. It was, but that's it was how it was. Right. Like, and, and it I got, mean, and it got to where we didn't like it. Yeah, yep. And I, you know, I was blessed that the place I interned at, you know, they did groups. They it was an I, IOP program, outpatient and IOP. So they had groups running all week. So I had a guaranteed set of client contact hours. But literally, just the number of hours that you have to do, oh, it was, what, a $500, a $500, $500 hour practicum, another 1,000 hour internship, or 3,000, 1,000, one of To those. get 3,000 to get your license. So, it was another 1,000 hour internship that, so it basically ended up being a full calendar year. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for, like. Right. And they, I get it. I get it why they do it because, you know, you want to be prepared to counsel people. Like, your literal lives right. are in your hands. But they definitely did not make it easy. Yeah. But, you know, we all survived. We did it. We're done. Um, we right. done. We don't got to go back. Well, we, we got to do our hours for our license. Right. Our and licensure. Right. So, I did get licensed. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be hitting up McKenzie okay. after this license. I take my test soon. I didn't tell anybody the day I'm taking my, my test. Okay, She's going to tell me eventually. I'm not going to tell you. You are. I'm not going to tell you. But we will um, be checking in some You know what sure. I'm going What text message y'all going to get? Okay. Me no, no. It ain't going to be our no. parents. Meet me at Franklin's. You get to meet me at Franklin's text. Just know what it is? Just know what it is. We meet at Franklin's for no, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a It's going to be a meet me at Franklin's with like uh, something else. Nah, sis. We meet at Franklin's to nah, celebrate but, that we got through we the week. We meet at Franklin's this day. It's going to be a celebrate, week. okay? That it's coming up. It's coming Maybe. up. It's coming up. You know. That's us. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I am and that's how I got here. And, yeah. All right. So, Mackenzie, to share her story. Yeah. So, definitely check out the Heart to Who. Yeah, is that the website? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Yes. So, the, uh, our website is www.theheart2heal.org. We're on Instagram at, at the.heart.2.heal. And T-O spelled out. So just run that back because I know y'all probably going to be like, <laughs> if y'all like me. www.theheartsoheal.org. Um, so on there, I did start a blog. I'm not going to lie. I don't keep, I'm not as consistent with it as I need to be, but I'm on it. Um, and then our Instagram is w, uh, at the 
dot heart dot to to dot heal. Um, and we're also the heart to heal on Facebook. So I do a weekly on Tuesdays things therapists think post. Um, and they're good, y'all. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just trying to figure out how best I can help my colleagues. So be on the lookout as I grow and figure it out. Yes, help us, help me. I feel like Kevin Hart, like, help me, <laughs> help me, okay? Listen, because I definitely feel like it's a short, like, we help, we right. heal, we advocate, mm-hmm. you know, we fight, but somebody do that for me, right. okay? Somebody, yeah. somebody, somebody come do that for me, because, again, we celebrating at Franklin's when we have good weeks, but at the same time, the struggle, the struggle be real, real, okay? Yeah. The struggle I think be real. also they can't always be our coping skill. <laughs> We can't I mean, always. Well, we got the heart to heal now. We got the so, heart to heal, right? Right. We can't always go get a cocktail. Listen, you know, listen can't be and this is. I mean, and this is the cocktail. It's the it's the atmosphere. But you know what? But honestly, right. we learned in addictions class that that's what people be addicted to. It don't be. It, right. People don't be addicted to the substance. People really be addicted to the atmosphere right. and everything and else that goes process, into it. So we just going, you know. I mean, we going. We going to do therapy. And not that we addicted. We not addicted. We not addicted. We learned that. But we we going to do Jesus. We going to do therapy. Self care. We gonna do self care. We gonna do wine and too. Wine. And, and Franklin. Wine. And Franklin. That's what I was so trying to sure. And Franklin. Is, and my philosophy with counseling and therapy is everybody should have a toolbox. So you know when you have a toolbox, you got a hammer, you got nails, screwdriver, all the other stuff that's in the toolbox. Because when you show up to a job, when you need something fixed, you might not know what it entails. So if I, you know, need to screw a nail in, but all I have is a hammer. I'm going to be in trouble and I'm going to get frustrated and I'm going to probably cause more damage trying to nail this screw in when I really need a screwdriver. So my, you know, my goal with therapy and working, not just in therapy, but with the heart to heal is to give people multiple tools, multiple things that they can do to help them deal with life on life terms because it's not a one size fit all. You know, Mm -hmm. what works one day isn't going to work, you know, the next day and what works for this situation might not work for the next situation. And it's the same thing with us. So, yes, you know, Franklin's and wine is good, but what else are we adding in our toolbox? Because that's not always going to be available. What do we do in the middle of COVID when it's 12 degrees outside and they didn't and can't start outside eating, right, you right. know, inside service yet? So we have to, you know, our, equip ourselves with multiple tools in our toolbox, in our tool belt, because you just never know what you're going to need and what's going to work. So mm-hmm. Right. And, and shameless plug, Sarah. Shameless plug with the Jesus therapy. Oh, you know what? Because we didn't mention it last week, but I did on my birthday, because last week was my birthday episode, I did launch my clothing line. Yay. The Simple Minded Brand. So check us out. www.thesimplemindedbrand.com and get your mental wellness apparel. We about to drop some Black History Month apparel on y'all. Yes, I can't wait. Um, So be on the lookout. I'm Blackity Black. Yes. Black AF, and my right favorite, my favorite sweatshirt from right. the Simple Minded Brand, the one I got, the one that I wore. Oh. First of all, the last two times you saw me, I had it on. I ain't gonna say nothing. I had it on the last two times, sir. The kids, I got you. What size? You? We ain't got to say what size you right now, but I got you. Um, I, what is a Jesus therapy? Self care, self care, and wine. Yes. Like, listen, that's all. All those things in my toolbox. And then we need that toolbox and the toolbox. We got the toolbox on it somewhere too. Yes. Yes. All right, baby. Everything. So we not talk for an hour, y'all. Can y'all believe it? We having a good time. That was fast. We having a good time here tonight. But let's jump into our second segment, which is don't believe the hype. Don't, don't, don't believe the hype. Don't, don't, 
So I believe while I stepped out, you guys came up with what we were going to talk about today. Yes, we did. And I okay. kind of tailored this to um, Mackenzie and what she does in her profession and what she's been doing for a long time. Um, and so, Mackenzie, tell us tell us about a, a therapy myth that, um, you know, we want to dismantle tonight. So I think kind of going along with a lot of the things that we talked about today um, and that has been going on in current events is that um, people with mental illnesses are more likely to commit a crime. Um, mm -hmm. you know, with all of how many times stories have there been in the news where the cops come out for, you know, somebody that's having a mental health breakdown issue, concern or whatever. Um, you know, there's this stigma that people that are mental ill, mentally ill are, you know, more violent and a reality in reality. Um, there's no states. more violent than anyone else and actually people that are diagnosed with a mental illness are actually 10 times more likely to be the victim of a crime mm. um let's see y'all know i love me some stats i was gonna say john is over here <laughs> looking at the stats look y'all know these, Mackenzie come so with the stats. I did. these stats come from health partners um and that what is it? Five percent of um, they only less than five percent of all homicides are committed by someone with a mental illness. So, yes, people that have mental illnesses commit crimes, but they're no more likely than anybody else. I think the you know why that stigma is a thing is because one, people with mental illnesses are probably less likely to have good representation so you know if they are the you know charged with the crime they are they're probably not going to have the top paid lawyers they're probably not going Talk to have it. you know the resources available to them um in the diversion access to diversionary programs they may likely be homeless they may likely you know be compliant non-compliant with treatment medications all of those things so how do you expect somebody to follow conditions of you know probation or whatever it is if they are you know trying to figure out their day-to-day -day how to get their needs met mm -hmm. um so i think there's a lot of other factors that go into you know why people commit crimes um but they're just kind of the more the more in the forefront because of all the you know the fact that People that are, you know, have mental illnesses, they present as different. So, you know, of course, we're going to pay more attention to the person that's walking down the street yelling and, you know, <laughs> talking to themselves. Right. Versus Joe Blow, who just committed whatever crime he did over there. Mm -hmm. um, so they are not more likely. Yeah, and I agree know. with that. I think we always, they always get like, you know, that stereotype or mm -hmm. they, you know, that thing where it's like, those are the people you need to look out for. And right. it's like, a lot of times people with mental illnesses that are living with a mental illness and that are experiencing like symptoms that we can see mm -hmm. often just mind their business. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they just go about their merry to, way. Again, they just trying to get the basics. Right. They just trying to right. get the basics. They can't even get to fathom right. all of this criminality that everybody else in the world is thinking right. about because they just trying to, you know, the yeah. hierarchy is neat. Right. They trying to just right. make it. Right. 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 So they might be, you know, be more involved in the criminal justice system because they are, you know, robbing and stealing because they don't have anywhere to live. They don't mm -hmm. have an income. They mm -hmm. don't have, you know, a roof over their head. So they might break into somewhere 
to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the media, they, you know, mm-hmm. take things and run it, with it. They, mm-hmm. you know, the media can ma- manipulate or, you know, they can put things Sensationalize out. Sensationalize it, it all. Right. Because right. exactly. one, one thing happens and then you guys, like, make that the poster thing of all oh, people with mental illness. Right. I remember when the guy, like, years ago, I was a kid. When he was um, a paranoid schizophrenic and shot the lady on the septa bus mm-hmm. in her head. Right. And they like that one isolated incident mm-hmm. where a, a paranoid schizophrenic, you know, was visualizing something that was not right. it and, and murdered somebody. That's not everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that they kind of, to y'all point, made it, you know, the poster right. child of all right. mental illness. And that's and what like, we that's do with not, things in that general. That doesn't happen all the that's time. That's what we do. We think about the one thing is like, oh, snaps. Forget the fact that it's a hundred or a million or however all these people once one thing happened it's like oh right this mm-hmm. one thing happened then this can happen to me so that means that these type of people or, or or whatever the case may be stay away from that you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying it, it could mm-hmm. be one situation like you mean to tell me that one thing happened and mm-hmm. now we're just like oh wow like right, right, right. you know somebody that you know if, if, if someone who has bipolar do something and is, and is in the it. news now we're just like anybody everybody Right, will act like this person. Right. Everybody with like, paranoid schizophrenia will act like this and person. And that's, that's something that we have to conquer in our own minds about anything in general, mm-hmm. right? It's just kind of like once a person do one thing, we tack it on to that, to everybody or to, you know, it's just like that's right. not how the world mm-hmm. works. People people are, are different. You know, everybody has a story. Everybody does things differently and, and works differently. So right. that's definitely something that we do as a people that we need to kind of like you know, definitely shy away from because it's not it's not always the case. It's normally not the case. So okay. And that okay. kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the twelve year old boy. What what do we need to do to, you know, protect these people to make sure that they have the resources to, you know, to succeed in life? Because reality is they're com- they're going to be in a community mm-hmm. at some point. Unless they are he serving is. a life sentence and right. at this point people's life sentences are getting overturned. So at more likely than not, they're going to come back into the community. So what can we do to help them, one, stay out of that, you know, stay mm-hmm. out of these institutions and, you know, to stay out of hospitals and all of those things? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Definitely. what can we do as a community, which is, you know, the work that you've been doing with the police department. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the reality is when police are called to these situations, there is a definitely a different skill set that needs, that to, needs be to be there. utilized. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it, but I also want to highlight that this doesn't, just because you have a mental illness does not absolve you from responsibility and being accountable. Thanks. So you, if you do something wrong, there are going to be consequences. Like that is not, an, right. so it's a factor. Right. However, like you cannot use that as an excuse to not get at out all. of trouble. But then people also need to know how to deal with you Correct. and handle you in that right. moment. You right. you still need to, whatever you do in the moment, to your point, be accountable for it. But then when people show up to the scene, they need to know right. how to handle you. And the point that I always advocate and, and, and Commissioner Outlaw says it all the time, like if a Sarah is on the phone, she's going to ask you a date and a time. Uh-huh. Like, Y'all can keep saying we gonna roll this out, but time is right. up because right. there are so many people. We we always say one in four. Right. People have a mental illness. If that's the case, then we need to really reform this right. situation, and we don't handle more time. Right. And but they, to your point, uh-huh. for those who have, a, there is a responsibility for you to take care of yourself, uh-huh. just like anybody else. If if you have cancer, if you have diabetes, you need to go to chemo. You need to 
be right. taking your insulin. You're going to you there, there make are, sure you yes. get what you need. Right. To and get you need well. to make sure that you to your protect your own self. Right. You need to make sure that you are abiding by your treatment plans. That if something is wrong, you're going to see about yourself. Like we're not mm-hmm. in no way, shape, or form right. giving y'all a free pass to do what you right. want. Correct. Take care of yourself. But mm-hmm. we also, you know, have to be more aware in how we interact with these people yes. who you know and time are, up. they're struggling. They're you this know right. everybody deals with it. So mm-hmm. we need to know right. how to deal with the people that are dealing with right. this. That's right. actually one of the things that I am working on in the next couple of weeks is pitching an idea to bring mental health first aid to the community. Mm-hmm. Um because. I think they have those classes. Right, so they, they do, do have but people don't know about people, it. And this is what we always talk about. People don't know about it. CBH does a free mental health first aid so clinic. Does, so does the Red Cross. Right. The Red Cross and CBH does too. I think people just don't know. So and they, while y'all was talking, you know, the first thing I was thinking was, they just need more mental health. They just need more of us. Like, they mm-hmm, just need mm-hmm. to, 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 first of all, they need to pay us more. Let's start there. <laughs> they need to pay us more. That's a whole nother episode. That's a whole nother episode, right? <laughs> Listen, it's coming to you. Probably episode three. Because you posted the other day. <laughs> About the pay. The, they'll listen. pay the licensed social workers more than they'll pay, pay the, the licensed therapists. To therapist give therapy. Position. What are you talking about? Listen, that's going to be a whole but topic. But people don't understand episode. that social work and therapists are two different things. Correct. But again, we'll talk about that in another episode. Definitely another episode. Um, But that's literally, y'all was talking, all the thing I kept saying was like, they need more of us. They need to pay us more. Like, listen, I'm here for it. Right. I'll do it. You know how we always talking. I'm here for it. I'll do it. We'll do it. Right. Put us, like, and put to us educate the community. Like, you have, what? Did, what is it? One in four people are dealing with a mental illness. So that means there are people around you that also are dealing with you and dealing with your mental illness. Mm -hmm. So we need to educate not just the person that has the mental illness, but also the people that are associating with them, their loved Mm -hmm. ones, their family. Mm -hmm. How do I deal with this person when they're triggered? What are their triggers? What can I do when they have, you know, when they're Mm -hmm. struggling, when they're starting to decompensate? What can I do, whether it's de-escalation, whether it's wrecking, you know, all the things that are available to me so that, Yes, there are going to be times where you have to call outside resources. Mm-hmm. But what do I even say in it? Right. How do I advocate? Because what do I say? At, how you do, listen, right. Right. How so do I you... even protect myself? Because Anything it's, this person, it's what's the mm-hmm. response time for the police? Like, right. you know, right. I still have to be able to make and sure. And what I do I say myself... to make sure the police respond in, in a timely fashion? You know right. how many times I had to tell a client to my, like, what are you going to say? Let's go over it. Because if yes. you don't say the right things, they're going to act like. Right. It ain't. Right. It didn't happen, or right. it ain't. It ain't a big deal. And also, my thought is that when, like during the pandemic, I'm I'm a child case manager, um, child therapist, right? When mm-hmm. I tell you, I talk to like the parents. Mm-hmm. Like it's all about the parents when it comes to the children, and I'm right. all about the I'm all about the kids. I'm all about preventative measures and dealing with you know mental health. It's all about the parents now. Like, the parents, they recognize what's going on now. So, it's just like, I think that 2020, like, I just felt like I have so much hope in t- in what the pandemic and what 2020 has done for mental health. I just feel like, I don't know, and I say this, I promise I probably said this in, like, like seven episodes. Like, I don't know if I just follow a lot of mental health professionals or people are just so much more aware of their mental health. Like, Every person that I know from all different walks of life, I feel like everybody is just so much more in tune with their mental health. So I think that again, that that first aid clinic thing that you want you want to roll out, I think that people are going to be just like so open to it because of what we went through. I mean, listen, right. we got to think about the the blessings of the pandemic, right? We got to think about that because mm-hmm. listen, Mackenzie started her and her get, nonprofit and, and get and some funding, right? Get yeah. some funding Thanks. because clearly they paid three million dollars for that. Let's say for. 
and no medical background, okay? So we not even about to play these games with the city no more. And it goes back to the old saying, people got money for what they want to have money for. Correct. So we're going to keep our feet on the necks for that because this is something that needs to be funded and not coming right. out of your like, own pocket and that the people should not have to pay mm-hmm. for. And, we, sh- you know, it'll be easier. What is it? Easier to attract bees with honey, with honey than, than vinegar. vinegar. So mm-hmm. why, it, on the front end, you know, let's address this problem where we're not dealing with, you know, dealing with it on the back end where things are at a 10 now. Mm-hmm. And we are doing, you know, crisis management. We're, we're doing crisis management. We're doing, you know, right. whatever. How about we work on right. now and, you know. Yeah, preventative. Right, because right. we're in it. We're right. in it. We're living in it. And we know that some, you know that crazy things are going to come from it. Right. we right. don't know how long this is going to last. Exactly. They right. have emergency rooms for a reason. They have urgent care for a reason. But they also have doctors. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your regular checkup. Why is our mental health not being treated like and that's, physical health. and that's one thing I brought up in a meeting with the mayor. Like, you know, y'all want to have all this. And we know Jamal from 56th Street is, you know, might be a target for violence. But if we know Jamal at six years old mm-hmm. is growing up in poverty, does not have the best education, you know, school around him. Parents are this or that or a family. Like, if we know Jamal's potential patterns right. at six, why are we not getting Jamal at six? Mm-hmm. Why are we waiting for Jamal to be 19, 16, 18, right. and there's already a target for violence? If we can get Jamal at six, to your point, then we can save a bunch of Jamals. Mm-hmm. But they don't want to hear that part. And we also can't write off the people that are that we have right now. Like, yes, we also have to get Jamal at six, but we also can't forget about Jamal's older brother or uncle Thanks. who is here because... Guess what? But what whatever the we, situation, however he got here, he's here right now. What are we going to do for to him? Help, to him, Jamal, the ones that come. But, after but how them. can we prevent? To your point, how right. can we prevent Jamal? The, the twenty-year-old Jamal, right. and we can get the six-year-old right. Jamal. Mm-hmm. And I right. think that's the part people miss. They don't understand patterns like we understand patterns. We could do a genogram and be like, "That's what happened to to right. to, to Jaheem mm-hmm. because right. it happened to Jamal. Right. It happened to Jimmy, and it, you know what I mean. Like we can figure out the pattern. So why not listen? Mm-hmm. To the people that went to school for this, yes. right. that can predict these things that are going to happen because of the patterns in the family, right? And, and when it I, repeats itself, when you look at your insurance card, right? Preventative. I feel like any Medicaid zero, zero preventative, yes. zero dollars, no, no copay, no nothing. What? But what happens once you got that diagnosis? Once you got to go to the the cardiologist? Once you got to go to the endocrinologist? How more much money, specialist more costs? More right. How much specialist costs? Mm-hmm. We trying to get there beforehand, and, and we really and they need to look at it. mental they don't health, understand it. like physical health. Yes. We have to look at mental health like physical health, because again, preventative be zero. Like mm-hmm. what? You could go get any type of preventative. You go get your birth control. Go get all, <laughs> go get all your stuff to prevent right. the problem. Right, right, right. But once you got it. It's like mm, you got you come out of pocket. It's hard to get insurance once you got a once you yeah. got an illness. It's just like that's to that's my point. That's that's all that's all can, of our point. We, that's right. what black and therapy is. If we need we can to prevent help. that, John, from before it starts. Then we would be, but that's neither here nor there. That's right. a fight we gonna continue to to fight. Right. For um, sure. Let's jump into our next segment. My favorite, Donna's least favorite. I don't know how you feel about it, Mackenzie. <laughs> But it's time for Truth Is. Don't even look over here because you already (laughs) know. Mackenzie, our guest. I guess I'm going to go first. Okay, I'll go first. So I kind of alluded to my truth um, earlier and I said I would come back to it is 
one thing about me is I value security. I value having a nine to five. I value having a steady paycheck every two weeks. I value knowing, you know, having my ducks in a row. However, there are times where I also jump both feet, both feet into a swimming pool, can't swim, no floaties, no nothing. Um, so for me, it's trying to find that balance of, you know, preparation, but not because, of course, we always wait. I'm going to do this when the, the situation and circumstances are perfect and they're, they are never going to be perfect. But also not being so reckless that you just jumping in balls deep with no plan and then trying to figure it out on the I feel seen. <laughs> I feel on the seen. back end. So, you know, just trying what my truth is that I need to find the balance between both. Like not keeping myself stagnant and afraid to take action because things aren't perfect, but also <laughs> not going to the other extreme of just you know what? Hold up, hold up. I don't know why the train's so loud real quick. Go ahead. You know, going to the other extreme of I'm gonna just do it now and figure it out as I go along. So Listen, some people live life on the extreme. And yeah. I'm, 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 I, you know, there's a time and a place for both. However, you know, I need to be somewhere in, in the, the middle. middle. <laughs> <laughs> so that is my truth. I need to get my life together. In the middle. How, how you gonna get to the middle? How you gonna you gonna you gonna plan you gonna plan you know instead of jumping? Plan. Part of it is planning, um, you know, having these conversations so that other people are holding you accountable so that if I say I'm going to do something, I can't just leave it there and sit it on a shelf. Somebody is going to be like, remember that thing you said? Mm-hmm. You was going to do what, what you doing with it. Um, but also recognizing that. I feel seen now. <laughs> <laughs> recognizing that sometimes you need a little bit of a push, but if you go and jump, make sure you got, you know, protection and all of that, your checks are done too. So right, right. We all like a little security, you give, know. Giving myself a timeline, a to do list. Make sure you know. So I before I write jump, it down, I, I, use a planner. Write it down, look at it, come back. I feel to seen. It. Mackenzie need to get out at this point because <laughs> everything that she is, I am her. I am sis. This is me. <laughs> I I'm am looking at Sarah. Sarah looking at Donna me. Is I'm like, like, mm. honestly. I am two feet balls deep. I don't know what you how you described it. <laughs> Drowning. It's her. It's Sarah. Sarah I, I am taking the risk. Um, but you know what? I had found out though, Mackenzie, and you don't we're we're different people, so you don't even gotta do what I do. And I my situation is different than your situation. Um I found out that God meets me in the deep water mm. when I am <laughs> drowning and like, okay, God, like he literally meets me there. Um I got a phone call today and it's like you met me. You see me. You remember how you and, you and Nicole said that you fall out every time you hear uh, you know my name? Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I felt today. Like, oh, you yes. see me. We see each other. Like, it was right. like Candy and uh, Mimi. Like, yeah. that's we, how see each other. we see each other. Right. Okay. Um, so, so I am the deep end diver. I will jump in balls deep, whatever, how you, however you described it. But I found out for me that and it might just be my leaps of faith or my, the God just knows I'm, my fa- all of I know I'm crazy. The other day I was chasing the truck, the trailer. Oh Lord. Because he sideswiped and honestly, he didn't sideswipe my car. My brother-in-law wiped out the scratches, <laughs> but he sideswiped other people's cars on my block. And so I chased this truck, the trailer. Like, I think that God just be like this nigga. Like, I think that that's how God looks at me along with my family and my friends. Right. Um, when you get to know me more, Mackenzie, you're going to be like, this nigga did it again. <laughs> like, so I just think that God just meets me in my deep ends. So, Mackenzie, shout out to you for understanding that yes, there's a balance. There. I don't see it. 
I've been on both <laughs> extremes. But you know, enjoy your journey though. Yes, yes. And, yes. And, and 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 the fact that you know what you need to do is is dope. Yes. So. But Donna, I, th- I felt like you felt seen too, because I'm looking at you like you had said you was going to do that, and you you do you know what I felt seen, and I kind of feel like my truth this week y'all brought it out of me. But the thing is, I feel like I have the balance, but I don't jump like. I don't. I don't. Like, I'm on the edge. Like, because mm, we want to start putting, we want to mm, give you a little tag. Like, listen, I don't jump. You're going to put on a life gonna jacket. We're going to put on a life jacket on you. I'm, I definitely need a life jacket. Little definitely. floaty so we can bring you back in listen, if you feel too far off. That's what I'm going to need. Because okay. I don't jump in like you, Sarah. I'm definitely not drowning. I don't even get there. Okay? <laughs> I don't got the extreme like you. Yeah, it's not it. I just feel like I play it safe. Like, I play it safe. And, and I've done. I've played it safe for a long time. Even sometimes, like maybe I'll take a jump here or there, literally here or there, once in the blue. But then it's like, okay, back to safe. Like I did it. Hmm. Like I feel like, okay, I did it. Let's celebrate. Cool. Ain't doing that again. We like, gonna celebrate. Because we gonna celebrate. That's what we gonna do. We gonna we gonna we gonna, uh, celebrate we gonna celebrate small wins. That's that's just period. But I feel like I play it safe, and I need to, and, and I know that I can't play it safe. Like. I mean, maybe I ain't jumping in the deep end like Sarah. Somebody said something maybe about playing the safe. Extreme. I got to find out. We got kitty pool for you. Listen, I might need a little kitty pool. I might need a kitty pool for you. medium, yeah. like you know, in the middle. But I play it safe, and I need to. I need to stop playing it safe. And I feel like I need in all aspects of my life. Like, stop playing it safe. Just like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, you know what I'm saying? You either gonna sink or you gonna swim. If you gonna sink. You know, maybe God got us. He got the life for us over there waiting. It's the faith. It, it gotta be. And I really play it safe in a lot of things. And I ain't playing it safe no more. Like all twenty twenty one, I ain't playing it safe. Yes. Okay. Um, I feel like I do feel like I need that safety net. Like you, like you know, I, I need a little bit of safety. But I have that. Like that's the thing. Like I have the safety net in a lot of things. I do. So I can go play. I can go play play. Like I can go jump. I can go. You know, test the waters. And that's what I need to do. So. You know, I think I just might have <clears throat> found my accountability group. I'm just calling on yes. Mackenzie and Sarah right now on, on what I need to Testing jump and test them waters and jumping out. But that's my truth this week, y'all. Y'all know I don't do truth is, but shout out to Mackenzie and Sarah for, you know, sparking that truth in me because that's my truth this week. Okay, I'm still trying to find this playing a safe quote. You saw oh, a playing safe quote. It's like playing it safe never benefited. I don't know who said anybody. Never Listen, when you find anybody, it, send it to me because that's definitely going to be my twenty twenty one. Um, kind of like saying, and I do, I do. You know, I do goals. Y'all know I do. Uh, goals, plans, vision boards. I'm that girl. I need to see it. I need to write it down. So. I'm gonna find it, and that's gonna be the name of the episode. Whatever that quote <laughs> is, that's gonna be the name of the episode. Right. No more playing it safe. For um, sure. My truth. You know what I realized, Donna? My truth. The other day when we were at the radio station. I have a radio show. Okay. Um, my truth is that I do a bunch of stuff and I don't understand the depth of it, maybe. Or the mm-hmm. importance of it. I just do it because I do it. And this might have been one of my... We don't, I don't think it was a truth of mine, but it was maybe something you brought up about mm-hmm. me. Um, But I fully understood it on Wednesday when I was like, not that I wasn't looking forward to it, but you know, I used to be like, all right, shit, right. I gotta go do this joint real quick. Like, mm-hmm. it was like, I gotta go do this joint real quick. Right. But when I got there, like, everybody else was celebrating it. And I was kind of like, I took it for granted. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just something I do. But I literally right. get an opportunity to be on a station. I don't know who listens or who doesn't listen, but for an hour, I get to run my mouth. 
and people are going to listen to me because right, right. all through the Delaware Valley, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I kind of take what I do and who I am for granted sometimes. And I don't know if for granted is the right word, but it's kind of like I don't. I feel like the, you may maybe you minimize it. Right. Maybe even I minimize though you it. don't use little, you minimize, I minimize it. Just it. like you and told I get on me other people for, for right. using right. the word little. I don't but use the word little, but I kind of right. in my mind is like, if it's not something, I, you know what I think it is. My goals are so big that when I think about the little things that I do, it doesn't really matter to me. Right. right. But you got to add up all these little things. Right. You little. Right. That's not little. Right. And so I think that's my issue. Like I don't take everything as serious. Like I didn't plan it. All. I probably told you. The morning of, I think I called you. Let's like, not even start about Sarah and her nine planning. She gonna yo, text me at nine o'clock. I'm like, yo, can you meet me at the radio? And like, she didn't know she's gonna be the guest. Like, I, right, she didn't. Like, it's a whole radio show, and I'm BSing like to the point where it's just like, all right, can you meet me here? Like, you know what I mean? But it's like, I don't. To y'all point, I think that my like, I want a hope center. Y'all know I want a hope center, mm-hmm. and I and I want group homes, and I want all these things. And it's like until I do that, I don't right. feel like nothing else I'm doing is big enough, right? To be like, oh, we gonna celebrate small wins, mm-hmm. but I always feel like it's. Like, even tonight when we celebrated, it was like, okay, well, I did a little radio show. Like, and I didn't say little, but in my head, it's like, right. oh, it's little, little to you because your goals show. are so big. And we talked about this on other right. episodes where it's like, we do this. Like, this is what we do. And we don't, we don't maybe see it as big, but like, it is. It is a lot. Right. It is. Even like, when I'm like doing stuff with like the peace, the peace commissioner and the mayor, like, I don't, I swear, I was like, I don't see it. And I'm not trying to say <laughs> it for y'all to hype it up or anything, right. but it's just like, Legit, my thought process of it is like, oh shoot, I got a meeting. Right. Remember, it's I was like, oh, yeah, I, I got a meeting like a at time, ten minutes. Right, like when you in it and you doing it, you like that's just what I do. Like mm-hmm. I'm doing it, and it doesn't take until somebody from the outside is like, no, do you understand what you're mm-hmm. doing? Right. Like, so, and to that point, not that I feel like I'm better than anybody or anything, but when that guy told me I was just a social media active, social media activist, I like Excellent. y'all ever see four four Christmases? Yes. When the nephew was like, Google me. Yeah. Like, I went straight for Christmas mode. Like, I'm not a social media. So, I think that's when it kicks in, when people, like, try to challenge it. Mm-hmm. But for me and myself, like, I, like, I minimize it in my head. And I think, and I also think that the who I look up to because of who they are and how they handle it, I think I kind of take that same role. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, it ain't, it ain't, not that it ain't nothing, but like, it ain't it's nothing. A humble, you gotta, it ain't you, nothing. You can do a little humble it ain't brag. Nothing. Yes, humble brag. I no. feel like humble brag is definitely something. And not even but I don't brag about, about it. That is on your goal list. Humble but brag. That, but no, maybe you, you do. need to. You like, need to. That might be you overcoming this whole Because there's no way this is the first time I you I heard that you got a radio station like this. My me. parents literally before I got here cursed me out before I like, left at the house. It's okay. They was like, why are you taking the champagne? I'm like, oh, I had, we got to celebrate the radio show. What radio show? And it's like, I'm walking out the door and they cursing me out because it's like, what are you talking about? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So Right. And I think that that might be, you know, that's a little me and you because, you know, I'm the person that don't tell nobody nothing. People are like, you want to, you got a podcast? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm saying, like, you know. But I think just, it's more so me not knowing. Like, I just, I, right. I, not not knowing, but like, all right, just a, but a, you a radio it. show. But you got to, you know. Yeah. Okay, well, put, radio, put radio personality in Instagram bio. <laughs> <laughs> radio personality. I'm gonna send you the link. You know, it's then... I don't even that's I don't even want to tell y'all that it's called it's called the Groove Hour. It is. It's on um down. I sent it to you. You did. It's um it's with um Doherty. What's his first name? Joe Doherty. Joe Doherty. So, it's called the Groove Hour. It's on he's Wednesdays. My, he's my guest, and then Don is my guest. Is on Wednesdays. Donna was my guest for the one episode. 
Um, it's on Wednesdays from 12 to 1. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on uh, 8.60 a.m. Wednesdays from 12 to 1 on 8.60 a.m. Anything else I'm missing? Set that. No, y'all. Um, and I it's wish, cool. We talk. We talk. It's a talk radio station. that they can listen to the first episode because I was the guest. I had the link. I, had I didn't even link. know that I was the guest on the first episode <laughs> again. You, I told you. No, you said meet me here. <laughs> well, I thought I was going to be like taking pictures. You anybody know, knows me. It's always a setup. It's always a setup. <laughs> it always is a setup for Sarah. She always, always setting me up, but it's cool. I'm down. All right, we almost done, y'all. We've been talking for almost two hours. We out of pocket today. Right, at this point. All right, so our last session is our two-minute sessions. Did you get any questions? Because I have a question. What's your, what's your question? Somebody asked me what should be on my treatment plan or what should I look for on my treatment plan. Mm. What are some things that should be on my treatment plan? I think that's a good one. That's so really good. I'm going to preface I, this with I hate doing treatment plans. I think um, we all do. <laughs> I hate them. You know what I love? I, that book. Yes. The, book. the, the treatment plan book. Yes. Yes. Listen, I got them all. I got listen, the child. That's what I, I got for graduation. People like, what you want for graduation? Treatment plan. Treatment plan books. Yes. I hate, listen, I all of them. Yep. Give like, me the works. Child, adult, all of them. They're the bane of my existence, but a necessary, you know, a necessary evil. Um, But what you should be looking for. One, I think that the most important thing is that whatever goes on your treatment plan is tailored to you. Like, don't just go along with putting something on because somebody said that that's what you should do. And sometimes, you know, you need feedback from, you know, the person that's helping you with the treatment plan. But these are things that you're expected to do. So don't sign up or don't agree to do something that's not realistic, that's not feasible. Like, you got to do this. So, you know, really be involved in the planning of your treatment because Mm -hmm. ultimately you have to do it. Um, So that's just my the one tidbit, mm-hmm. I guess. So the yeah. thing on it should be things that you're actually... Right. So what you should look for is the diagnosis. Right. And, and a lot of times, like, you know, with psychotherapists or therapists or counselors, there might not be a definite diagnosis because mm-hmm. we're not, you know, psychiatrists. But look for the diagnosis, whatever mm-hmm. the, you know, diagnosis is. And then look for, to, to McKenzie's point, your treatment. What are we right. going to do about this? Right. Um, and again, your goals and your treatment plan should be tailored to you. It should not be something that's not attainable to you, that's not reachable, that's specific. not, you know, specific right. to who you are. Because we can look in a book and it can say like, oh, for this, you know, particular mental illness, these are the goals. Right. But if the goals I come up with are not specific to you or atta- obtainable to you, right. then it's not going to work, right? right. So because you the make person sure... has to sign that treatment plan too. It's not right. just me. It's right. me and you. So it's you make me sure and you and your parent. You can, that right. these goals are specific to you, that they are tailored to you, and that, that then you can up, uh, attain them and not just be on the paper for just mm-hmm. to be on there. Right, right. And I will say, I will say one, um, I have two points to that. One is that, again, you're signing it. So act like you signing it. Because when I sign my name, I know what I'm signing, whether I'm mm-hmm. paying for it, whether it's something that I'm agreeing to. Like, when you sign your name, act like it's a document that you're signing your name to. Because mm-hmm. you are signing, you are agreeing on your treatment plan. So act like it's that important to where you giving your money or something like that, because it is that important. So that would be one, is that treat it like it is as important as it is. Um, and my second thing was that um, 
be specific because I in my treatment plans a lot of time I gotta write how many times or how much of something you're going to do right um or, or what you're going to do when certain things happen and how many times I think you have to be a lot of specific on times right mm-hmm. like right with our with our physical health how many glasses of water are we supposed to right. drink a day mm-hmm. how many uh servings of vegetables right. we're supposed to have I don't even really know but that's neither here nor there right <laughs> But you know, you know, you're supposed to, what, it's eight glasses of water. So like when you think about a treatment plan and like, okay, when I'm feeling these emotions, these are the things that I need to do. We need to think about, um, like the time, how many times you're going to do that thing. How many times you're going to, um, use these interventions or how many interventions that you have or, or using that, that safety plan, that treatment plan, calling that professional. Like, you know, you have stuff that you're going to do before you call the professional, but call your therapist, call Mm -hmm. your professional. So I think that a lot of times people use that treatment. You know, if they do that little treatment plan, they they don't take it seriously sometimes. Well, that's why people still suffer. But you know what? The best clients to. are the people that follow through with the treatment plan. Right, yes. I have a, a client now that I just love doing therapy with her because she <laughs> does the treatment plan. Right. And what I implement is working, and now we are making progress. Right, because so. nobody wants to do a new treatment plan because this treatment plan, we said we're going to work on this for however many time, however right. long. So. We ain't trying to do a new treatment plan because you decided this wasn't going right. to work. Because we... You know, take your time in, in doing it and, and recognizing what you want to do, what you signing off on, and we're going to, this is what we're going to work towards together. Right. Together. It's not just, your treatment plan is, our, like, we, we created this together, and I'm the professional or whomever is the professional, but make sure that it's something that you want to work towards as well. Right. For sure. Thanks. So that's it. Yes. It's up to Mackenzie now to close us out and... Tell the people where you can reach it, reach you at, and then also we need your feel good song of the week, sis. Yeah, so again, you can find me. Um, our website is www.theheartsoheal.org. I'm on Instagram at the.heart.to.heal and the Heart to Heal on Facebook. Um, be on the lookout for the City Well Challenge. That's hey. coming up over the next couple of weeks. I have some things that I'm hoping to get implemented and work on and, you know, bring to light. So I will be posting about that. So make sure that you are on the lookout for what people in the city are doing to help and address millennial mental health in the midst of COVID. Yes. Um, and my feel good song is Coffee Toast. I feel like blessings, gratitude are all the things that we kind of talked about a little bit today and just kind of moving into the rest of the week, the rest of the month, 2021 on a good note and, you know, acknowledging the things that we're grateful for and celebrating the big wins, the small wins, the everything in between. So that is how I'm feeling today. All right. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. Thank I'm you, so Mackenzie. Thank you for here. having me. For sure. Thanks for being here, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Black and Therapy, where we are discussing. You know, doing, we doing. <laughs> <laughs> discussing journeys, dismantling myths, and declaring. I don't know. It's not, not declaring, declaring, but you know our truth. So we thank y'all for tuning in to another week. We hope you have a dope week on purpose. Thank y'all for tuning in, Sarah Ashley, Donna here, and our co-host Mackenzie. All right, y'all. Peace out. Bye. Blessings all coming.